Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to Bizarre Conspiracies. My name is Eric Patino. And I'm Connor Toll. Today, uh, before we start, I, I do want to say this might be a bit of a sensitive topic, uh, especially for, for young listeners. So if you're, uh, if you don't want to be scared oh, easily, on, I mean, come on, we're talking we about exorcisms. We're going to be talking about we have a young, uh, young listeners. What sort of young person sits around and listens to us blabble for a few hours? <laughs> uh, quite a few, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. <clears throat> just just be warned. We're gonna be talking about some sensitive things, some scary things here. So does that mean anyone that makes it through here is a honorary old person? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? But yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are gonna be talking about exorcisms. I'm gonna be talking a little bit about uh this exorcist name Doctor Doctor Father Malachi Martin. I don't know why there's a doctor in front of Father, um, but I, I think that it's just um, doctor. Well, does the doctorate? Uh, I don't think he mentioned come over with Father. Because here's the thing: I think that most popes uh, have a doctorate in theology really? or divinity. So um, <clears throat> um, most of the most of the interviews that I was listening to from Father Malachi Martin, the the radio host kept saying doctor. Oh, doctor, well, doctor, doctor. I'm so totally I, I think maybe he has a doctorate in something else. <clears throat> but in any case, uh, yes, he does have a doctorate. He is a Father Malachi Martin, an, an ex exorcism exorcist, an ex exorcist. <laughs> oh my God, I'm getting confused. And uh, what do you have, Conrad? Uh, I I just was studying um, mostly uh, exorcism from the point of the, the Roman Catholic Church, and oh, good. So a lot of this could could come together. Yeah, excellent. And, uh, Jesuits and uh, the the Order of Jesuits and oh, cool. Well, like then maybe now. you can answer some questions that come up about fellow, uh, Father Malachi Martin. Alrighty. So yeah, we'll go ahead and start with the um, little bit that I have here. So for content, um, Father Malachi Martin. Well, let me pull it up. Father Malachi Martin. Yes, he is a writer. He has seventeen novels, uh, some fiction and then nonfiction. Of course, he wrote some about his very own um, exorcisms that he he did for the Vatican Church. And uh, the most popular one is called Hostage to the Devil. Unfortunately, I could not get this book uh, to come in fast enough. And they did make a documentary about Hostage to the Devil. And unfortunately, again, it's been taken off, uh, seems to be taken off the internet. I could not find anywhere to buy or rent this documentary. Very strange. Uh, Amazon took it out. Uh, Google took it off. Which I find very strange. So maybe there was, uh, maybe it was just a little bit too frightening for some people because there was 
there is a lot of true exorcism recordings that were in it, so I don't know if that was it, the reason why. But um, <clears throat> some of this yeah, could be, be. cannot be for the some you know the faint for who, heart. Who um, I guess uh, were in the story of the the true exorcisms might have not wanted that to be shared. Yeah, that could have been the case too. He uh, he was a one time he was yeah a one time advisor to three different popes. And um, so I didn't put that down. He asked to be released from certain aspects of his Jesuit vows in 1964. And then he moved to New York City, where he later became uh, the famous uh, book author, uh, telling his stories and everything. Uh, even all the way up, in, up to his death, he was performing exorcisms. Not as frequently towards the end, but he was still doing exorcisms. It's crazy. And he later uh, divulged, and this is public information, but he said there is a 90-page long bound-in-leather book written and printed entirely in Latin issued by the Vatican. It's called De Exorcism Is Est Supplicantum. I don't think I'm saying that. Supplicantos. Uh, it, it, it's basically the manual for the Roman Catholic Church for those who have the duties of performing exorcisms. And this has been the case since 1614, apparently, but there was a, a revision of it uh, in the 50s. And it has these rituals, what you need to do before an exorcism, how to prepare, prepare for an exorcism. And unfortunately, this is just not the details of that book. It's just not made publicly. publicly. Yeah, this is strictly for a Catholic priest who, by the way, needs the permission of a bishop to perform an exorcism. If you're a priest that does exorcisms, it goes to the uh, the bishop of the area that the person who needs the exorcism had. Right. Yeah. Whoever the the bishop is uh, in that area needs to get uh, the bishop's permission, and before doing that exorcism, which I find pretty strange, but it makes sense yeah, because I, I've seen to I've run across that as well. They have yeah. a very long process. They do, and one of them is that before they can, before the bishop gives them the authority to perform an exorcism, they must first go and see a, a doctor and a psychiatrist to rule out any other possible medical conditions but he does say it's extremely saddening because in father malachi's opinion he believes that a great majority of people are misdiagnosed having multiple personality disorders when they're really actually possessed. There are some and, other and diseases. It would be, um, I think it would be important to note that not all um, Catholics uh, priests actually do get um, like most of them will follow the, the hierarchy. Right. There are some that actually do not go to their higher ups and go through the entire process before performing um, exorcisms. Right. It's pretty rare. And that's reported of. Right. But as far as I can, but it, it's not like all of them will. It's like there's one or two priests in like 50 that just <laughs> performs exorcisms at a, a much more frequent rate under the radar. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you'll find a few that don't, don't take all of their cues from the the vatican which i thought was right. a little unusual it is it's very unusual another unusual that maybe that's what um maybe mm -hmm. um mr uh dr martin <laughs> malachi martin called, uh well you say the last name right dr martin <laughs> right would have right. maybe fall into that category i would mm -hmm. not be surprised if he had done some uh exorcisms without off the books uh, yeah 
I don't believe what he has he because he was he, he he was so devoted not only to the Catholic Church but to what he was doing as an exorcist. He was so devoted to it. He was a Jesuit. So. Yes, yes. Uh, even though he did get, even though he did ask to be released of certain vows that he took. The the Pope that gave him the permission to basically leave the Vatican said that you might have, you know, been released from certain vows and you might have you might be leaving the Vatican, but you will always be a Catholic priest and an exorcist. So if you were ever to perform, you need to get the local bishop's permission. And I think he kept that word. It, it kind of sounds like he did. Um, but I was going to say, when you were saying there, they have like some rare uh, oddities <laughs> within within Road, all that. A- another thing that he mentioned, which I was pretty surprised about, is that he said not every bishop believes in exorcisms. Not only yeah. not only to that extent, there are bishops that don't believe in the devil. And I was like, wait, what? How can you be a man of faith and, and, and a priest and a bishop, but not believe that the evil side of the religion that you believe in exists and, yeah. and does things? But there are... There are priests that do that, and he explains that, well, it's more like, I don't think he doesn't personally believe that these certain priests that do believe that aren't necessarily don't believe in it. He thinks that they're they're more like they want to turn a blind eye to it. And that's so strange to me. Are you um, familiar with the author C.S. Lewis? I am not. So he was the author of um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And also it's... I see. Also, it's um, entire, uh, I guess, universe, fictional sure. universe. Is that? But he is also that Narnia? Wrote some, yes. Okay. Then, yeah, okay. He wrote the Narnia books. He also wrote some uh, Christian theology. He was a Protestant, not a Catholic. But he may have wrote um, something that I think describes this belief that you're you're speaking about. Um, he wrote this set of books called the Screw Tape Letters. Uh, I think it's a set of books, uh, or maybe it's one book. I'm not sure, but. But uh, screw tape is the name of a demon in his book. So the book mm. is written from a demon named Screw Tape to an uh, another demon, and it's like they're sharing strategies on how to possess and tempt people. Oh, interesting! And in it, I believe Screw Tape, writing to the other one, suggests to this uh, less experienced um, demon to be subtle and not to be um, very open and not to do like possessions and that sort of thing, but instead just be a tempter and not so much of a um, overwhelming one. Sure. He said the reason for that is if you possess somebody and do um, like demonic things through them, you can have like witchcraft and like you, you'll have like a, a shaman and you can do like all these magical things through this person and leading multiple people astray. Mm-hmm. But he said that, that there's like issues and drawbacks with them. And like he said, like the, in this modern era, and I, you know, I haven't read it, so I wouldn't know exactly what the whole reasoning was. Mm-hmm. But in it, through this fictional story, T.S. Lewis is putting forth his idea that in the modern world, demons don't like doing a lot of overt and open uh, spiritual things. They like trying to keep things hidden and try to hide their, because he says like once you possess somebody, like people know that you're there and then like they'll fight you directly. But if they don't know you're there, then they, then you have free reign or something. I don't know. Mm. So um, anyway, so maybe that's more of what the, these people who don't believe in demons, maybe it's not that they don't believe in like demons, but they don't believe in like a heavy handed demonic presence that like the light little bitty things. Yeah, it could be. Um, <clears throat> he did uh, give us 
of the exact prayer that they say uh, just before an exorcism. So I thought I thought it, it was pretty funny. Uh, Not funny. That, sorry, it's <laughs> pretty interesting. Yeah, is it the Athenian Creed? I don't believe it had a certain name attached to it. Okay. Um, but I, I mean, I'm gonna say it right here so everyone uh, knows. And if they want to. Maybe Google it on their own. Okay. It's just the prayer written for exorcism. That's how I found it for when uh, Malachi Martin explained it. But it goes, right. St. Michael, the um, archangel, defend us in okay. battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do you, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the divine power, uh, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruins of uh, the ruins of souls. So that's the prayer that exorcisms uh, exorcists usually say before an exorcism. Okay. So yeah, that's a little different than the one that I thinking you were going to say because what I found is that uh, there's three prayer, uh, three yeah, three prayers that are said um, in the exorcisms as well, and that those are the Our Father and then the uh, right. Hail Mary. But it's interesting to note and then the the third one would be the um, the one I hadn't heard of the Athenian Creed. I, I I haven't heard that either. Do you have? I do, but it is very long. <laughs> And it, it's generally read in Latin in I exorcism. See. That's okay. Uh, but I do have the translation, and it, it generally, the gist of it is, it talks about the Trinity, um, uh-huh. espouses upon the unlimited power of the, the Trinity, and the, each one saying that the each figure of the Trinity is unlimited. And uh, it says that uh, once it gets finished talking about the Trinity, um, it talks about things being subject to God and mm. it, then it talks about the crucifixion and salvation as well. I see. Uh, and the, the whole thing looks about, I'm going to say 800 words. Oh, geez. Yeah. So um, a moderate sized essay. <laughs> uh, that could be quite, quite the task to uh, read. I, I suppose. Is that supposed to be read during an exorcism? Yeah. Wow. In Latin. Right. One thing that he did mention was that, you know, it's not like the movies. It's not like where you see an exorcism happen and they're just they're praying with crosses and throwing holy water everywhere. It's much more of a confrontation than just saying prayers. It, it's a battle and it's, it's, it's a battle to see who can mentally last the longest, right? Yeah. Because you have to figure out, he said, you have to figure out the demon's name because he will not tell you what it is. You just have to figure it out. Also, during um, the confrontation, you cannot answer any questions that the demon asks you or states about you. You can't, can't say anything back because you'll, you'll get stuck in a trap. And he, the can, demon will slowly. One of those things where you do an answer, but it's not an answer, sort of a thing, where it's like somebody says, What's your name? And you say something like, My name matters not, sort of a thing. It's more like ignore, <laughs> try to ignore that he's speaking because you have a job to do. And if he tries, and if you communicate with him even just a little bit, even if it's not direct communication, he can break your willpower, essentially. Interesting. Because he said, demons know everything about you. They know what you did, like, um, when you were younger, right? So, like, if you did something bad, they're going to know, and they're going to throw it in your face, and they're going to break you down. So it's it's better not to acknowledge when they're talking and continue doing your job because it will be much quicker, more efficient that way. So one of the priests that I was listening to, um, the, 
let me see if I can find the name of this fella. Uh, Francis Vince Lampert. Was I, saying, I believe I did run into him as well. I didn't listen to anything he had. Um, what he was saying is, is this roughly the same thing. Like you ignore what's going on. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the demons doing supernatural feats of strength and like throwing things around and right. um, causing the, um, the the possessed person to levitate and that sort of thing. You just continue on with what you were doing and you try not to pay attention to the things that demon's doing mm-hmm. because if you focus on the, the manifestations of the demon then it, it, it um, you're, you're focusing on its power and then what you do is instead you ignore its power and by ignoring it that, that gives you like a barrier because mm-hmm. it, it, what it's trying to do is frighten you, and so you just ignore it. Right. Yeah, it's so, uh, roughly it, the same thing. It's uh, it's a tough job, from what. <laughs> like, so he was saying that it's pretty common that for an exorcist who's been in this field for a couple, even just a couple of years, it's pretty common that you'll suffer a heart attack at some point because all the trauma and stress that you're you're doing because you're fighting demons, right? You're fighting a supernatural power. Now, did he did when he would do his exorcisms, did he have like um I don't know, associates? Um, yes. Assistants. Yes. At all times. Mm-hmm. So, so did he ever do them alone? No. Okay. He said like, he, he doesn't. He d- Lampert said he always followed his. You never do it alone. Yeah. He said you never do it alone because you can be easily overpowered by the demon. And even it, it's so dangerous because he said even when you have two to three people helping you, it doesn't guarantee any level of safety at all. You have to be mm-hmm. strong in faith to get through it. And if one of your assistants is not and is weak, he mm-hmm. can be possessed or even killed. And he said one of the things that he remembers the most when he was a bit of when he was already becoming like kind of a senior exorcist, right? There was a newcomer, uh, a new exorcist that he was training, and he was like, "Look." You got to be right with God. You have to be really strong. Now, when you go Mm -hmm. into this room with me, I don't want you to focus on the demon. I want you to focus on the Bible. I need you to repeat what I tell you. I need you to tell, uh, say these words, right? Well, he lost his focus. The demon got to him. And guess what? He had a heart attack like that in the room and died. Wow. Yeah. So now, did he go to the Vatican to train? Yeah. Well, he uh, so he he's originally from Ireland. So when when he became uh, a priest, he he went to the Vatican to train. Um, he didn't say what specifically for, but he was there, and he even wrote books for the Vatican Library. So I um I don't know if uh, how uh, Catholic priests become priests and all of that. If they if all of them have to at some point go by the Vatican to get coronated or something. I don't know. Exactly how that all works. I'm not sure. Um, it seems as though there's not like a lot of special um, specialty exorcists in the Catholic Church. Like um, of the the priests who do exorcisms, uh, well, that do a lot of exorcisms. There's mm-hmm. there's very few of the like the dedicated exorcists. So well, that might be and, for a all reason. the ones and all the ones that I have um, read about. Almost all of them have trained at the Vatican, right? So <laughs> it's uh, but but um, what what one of the guys is doing, I think he um, is an, one, an archbishop, the fellow that I, I was hearing, he was saying that he can um, order any of his priests to perform an exorcism if need be, but generally he relies on a few set ones, but in theory, any of them could do it. That's, um, 
kind of crazy, actually, that you could be called upon to do this when you weren't specifically <laughs> trained for it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, it's weird. Um, but, so, I don't know if the guy that you researched talked about this, but uh, Father Malachi Martin talked about this. It's called Perfectly Possessed. No. It's when a person is so completely taken over to the point where you can't tell they seem so normal. They lived normal lives from moderate success to high, like they're rich, and such complete normal lives that they have wives or husbands and children, and the worst thing about it is that there's no help for them, because they have completely given themselves over to the devil and he said when he he said he has encountered one it's pretty rare but he has encountered one that was perfectly possessed and he said that this guy he didn't know who he was right It, it, it was almost like if he was walking down the street and this guy was approaching him you know people just walk on streets and pass people up. Well, he said he he was walking down the street one day and this guy this guy passed him up and he turned around because he felt something. Guy turned around and he said he looked directly into me and said go to hell. But he said he didn't tell me like you would hear someone say oh go to hell right. No, he said he looked into my eyes and he said please go to hell. Literally go to hell. He said that gave him chills that he never experienced before. Perfectly possessed. That's wild. He's he's saying that there is nothing that he could do for that fellow? There's nothing anyone can do for someone who's completely possessed. Interesting. They usually... And he explained it a little bit more, and I don't, th- I don't think I can do it justice, but he basically said, you know how, like, some people make deals with the devil? That you give okay. your soul away, but you get something in return, but it's not always fair? But you, you're so comfortable with it anyway, because it's what you want is what you asked for. <laughs> and... So- uh, Okay, okay. So it's kind of like the thing of you kill somebody who doesn't want help sort of a thing. Right. It's it's essentially when someone denounces the power of Jesus and takes in the dark. You just can't okay. save so, that person once you... So it's, yeah. it's along the lines of the... the unforgivable sin uh, right 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 yeah it's uh, not heresy what's the unforgivable sin um blaspheming um i think it's blaspheming is so is maybe part of that mm, suppose um and then he goes on to say that uh, he mentions that now while there is a high number of uh possession going on like demon possession the real demon possession real possessions are generational it's passed on by your parents through training but their their particular families, like these are old American families that like settled, that's come through the Mayflower, that type of thing. These are old American families that are the ones that are being possessed generational. And what it is, is that there's a particular demon they make a pact with. And they say, you're going to be our familiar. This is your family now. We are your family now, whatever. And they actually can pass it on to their children without their children's consent. And he said, by God, can it, we can help, but it's much more difficult when it's generational because it's stronger bond. So is that one of those things that if it's broken on like one fellow, um, it has to be broken again for his kids and then his kids' kids? Or is it one of those things that, if it, if it gets broken anywhere along the chain, then it can't continue down that um, particular line of the chain. I'm not exactly sure how it works. I was uh, I was listening to this like at one in the morning, <laughs> so I didn't get too deep into it. But yeah, it's it's it, 
It's pretty crazy. Now, like I said, usually these are, when you're going to do an exorcism, they're usually dealt through direct confrontation, right? Right. And only the the bishop of the church of the area that the person is being possessed can give the authority. And that authority through the bishop is given, obviously, by Jesus Christ, right? But he says that Catholic Church and the Catholic faith is the one true religion and the only authority that can do exorcism. Now, he said he heard of like uh, Baptists and Presbyterians that that do this work as well, but he said he's never heard of someone outside of the Catholic Church successfully do an exorcism, which I find fascinating. That's interesting because there was one one fellow and uh, who he was saying uh, of one of the priests I, I was reading about, and he was saying that somebody at the interviewer asked him other uh, other uh, faiths that can do um, exorcisms, and the, the fellow mm. said, "Well, in my experience, I have seen that happen." where there are shamans in Native American right. tribes who have done it. And he said, I believe uh, that there is only one power and that all the power comes from God. So therefore, this shaman, he says, what he believes is happening is the shaman is harnessed uh, not harnessing, but uh, God is uh, honoring the, he called it naivety of, <laughs> uh, of the shaman and giving Interesting. Him, giving him temporary uh, power or something? Yeah, something like that. Interesting. Yeah, I would say for the most part, like even in in, uh, in in media, like in the movies and stuff like that, you really only see movies about exorcisms that involve Catholic priests. <laughs> like, you, you rarely see like a different um religion of faith take on that role hmm. it, it is kind of it's kind of weird yeah it kind of says even, something i don't know uh, did um did the guy that you were researching did he did he talk about any other things uh, that were coming up besides besides what he was like experiencing and experienced in uh he's well uh, he talked a little bit about his partner who he didn't name but he said that there was a, a partner that he had that um he almost exclusively wanted to have <laughs> as a backup uh, partner when he, uh -huh. he did an exorcism because he like he, he was i don't think this guy was a priest by the way that he was talking about him but he, he might have been he was calling this other guy uh, like a stalwart of um faith <laughs> Okay. So, he's like this other guy, like nothing phased him. Uh, so was he drunken? Don't <laughs> <laughs> scare me. Um, like, uh, other baptize my beer so I can throw it at this demon. <laughs> Uh, he did actually talk a little bit about uh, holy water and crucifixes and Bibles and that sort of thing that they were used. All right. Um, Interesting. Uh, this other guy would have a Bible most of the time, and he would place it on the head of the possessed person when praying for him, and he'd put the hand on top of the Bible. And he said that there was this mm. one time the person was levitating out of the chair, and he just pushed them straight back down into the chair <laughs> with the Bible. Wow. <laughs> um, he, this guy um, eats steel for breakfast breakfast uh, the, the other fella would um like immobilize whoever he was he was touching they put the bible on their head and it'd be like locking them up and paralyzing them interesting and the, the other fellow um the image that i got in my head when he was talking about this fellow was like uh imagine there's like um a toddler you know uh, and it's it's caretaker not its parent but like it's caretaker mm -hmm. like been paid to like handle tons and tons and tons of children <laughs> 
there's this kid that's just squirming about and flailing and carrying on and they're throwing a tantrum and it's just like this um hitting this unmovable force this is when the lone <laughs> ranger has a side job <laughs> And uh, anyway, uh, but he didn't talk a lot about that fellow, but just like the, it'd be like little things like he would talk about the this time that this, um, they were doing this uh, one exorcism and this person like was picking up, uh, picked up this steel desk. It was like a desk made out of steel and the person themselves couldn't have weighed more than a hundred pounds. And so the desk would have weighed more than them mm-hmm. during the exorcism. And it's like, yeah, the other guy, they were totally unfazed by it. there's this big, massive piece of metal moving around the room and it's just wow. into this guy that's insane and, and um and then you're talking about this other person and but it's just little bits here and there that you're like he first mentions this other guy like and then i'd have like uh, a friend come in and place a, a bible on their head and pray and then i would stand there with crucifix and sure. uh, sprinkle the holy water and then at first you're just like yeah this other guy is mentioned but like he, he just keeps being mentioned in pathing you're like whoa who hold on who exactly is doing the exorcism system here. <laughs> <laughs> If I knew a guy like that, and that was my job, yeah, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do it without that guy either. But one of the things that he said is, um, he's not exactly sure how much of what happens is like physical, and or how much of it is illusions being put into his mind. That's an interesting way to. Hmm, I didn't think about it that way. Because he said sometimes after the exorcism, um, they'd be talking about it, and the things that he would see uh, would not necessarily be what the other guy saw. Like mm. Some of those things that he would see. The other guy would see but some of the things that he would see the other guy would not yeah and it wasn't ever like the other guy ever saw something that he didn't mm-hmm. it's just sometimes he would see things the other guy would huh. and i kind of think that that's maybe the reason why they have like the three-pronged uh or two-pronged attack where they either have multiple people is maybe if there's like um if if the demon is concentrating on him during the exorcism um and like focusing all his energy on this one fellow mm-hmm. the other guy is pretty much not being effect and then can come in from the side and blindside the demon you know yeah come in slap a bible on the head (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy well we're coming up on okay Okay. i was gonna say we're coming up on 40 minutes so let's take a break and uh when we come back conrad will finish telling the story there and some other things and uh, i'm gonna tell you about the three days of darkness so don't go anywhere we'll be right back and we're back from the break so uh you were saying conrad uh, yeah, he was uh, one of the things that he was um, that he did differently um, inside of the. Well, the okay. So one of the practices that he would do um, uh, what he was saying about holy water and that sort of thing mm-hmm. is he said that in and of itself has no particular power of its own. And it's it's um, all of it. It's symbolic, which is kind of interesting because I, I don't think that most priests in the Catholic faith uh subscribe to that belief you know i think that a lot of them think that you know things like crucifixes and bibles and uh holy water have um its own spiritual power in and of itself you know Mm -hmm. so but they're but they're useful tools right i guess he uses them but he says in and of themselves they don't have any power and that interesting the the whole thing that even he doesn't have any power that the whole thing you know is from god and he's just it's just i guess something that channels it Mm -hmm. so maybe huh maybe maybe what he's trying to say is that it's like a um heavy gauge wire you know like if you use a cardboard box you wouldn't have any connection Mm -hmm. you know and 
can't plug get power from one place to another place with a cardboard box. You got to use wire. Maybe that's what he's using um, holy water and Bibles for. Because he still uses them, but he says they of themselves have no power. So not exactly sure exactly how that all pans out. Interesting. Now that they did, have have you found out like exactly what they use during exorcisms? Like, so they have a Bible. They have um, maybe crucifixes and holy water. Do they have anything else? Um, he's no. Um, I guess they have a process and a special like prayers that they do. Mm-hmm. I don't think they they are very equipment heavy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. But maybe, maybe there's other secret stuff that he doesn't mention. <laughs> he did mention that the process, uh, one of the things that most people are surprised about is that they don't, they're not in a hurry to um, do an exorcism because uh, he always goes through the appropriate channels of requesting permission and then having people mm-hmm. checked out by a psychiatrist and doctors and uh, other physicians and I don't know, maybe even dietricians. Who knows? But he he gets he go through um, a lot of medical uh, experts. Sure. And then when then he gets permission from the the bishop or whatnot. And then I don't know. I think he's the bishop. So maybe he does he have to get permission if he is the archbishop? Um, I don't and, think he does. If he's the archbishop, I think I think he can pretty much agree to do it. So and then after that. Um, he says, um, so that takes a while. And then after that, even after he's gotten the permission and everything, he's not like, okay, what we're just going to do is we're just going, uh, um, now that we've identified the problem, we're going to take care of the problem as swiftly as we can. Mm-hmm. We, that's not their approach. Cause that's what most people think. They're like, okay, once you figure out that, yeah, they're the person's demon possessed, then it's, um, you got to get it done as fast as possible. No. He says he goes in slow and methodic and he's in no rush. It doesn't necessarily need to be done today. You know, he, he goes at it very slowly. And he says sometimes it'll take a year. Hmm. Just ever, uh, little visitations here and there until eventually, um, I guess, it's slowly weeded out. Mm-hmm. And he says that there, especially if there's multiple demons that they won't do it all in one sitting, you know? Interesting. They'll, they'll start at the weakest and work their way to the strongest. Right. Uh, so he said that surprises people a lot. They're like, well, why don't you just do it today? Like, why why, why, why are we waiting? And all that. And he's like, well, there's really no benefit to rushing it. Because if you rush things, then you miss things. And let's say you get, um, you get it uh, cast out today as opposed to in a week. I mean, what have you really gained? It's not like a sickness where the longer somebody stays sick, the weaker their body gets and the more that they can, uh, more likely they are to die. You know, it's not like cancer where you, you treat cancer at its earliest stage that you possibly can and you treat it fast. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. Interesting. So, yeah, um, that that was kind of interesting, I thought. Yeah. Uh, another thing, Father Malachi Martin said that uh, in, in his belief, what we think of ghosts aren't actually, you know, spirits that are just wandering earth, right? He believes that they are, especially the, like, the poultryice type ghosts, Mm -hmm. the kind that haunt, like, a house or maybe a specific area, and it's, like, throwing around all kinds of things, like, he believes that those are, those are just demons, like, low, yeah, 
lower de- lower powered demons that are can't See, that, I've, that, that, I've heard that before. yeah they can't they don't necessarily have enough power to possess a person but they but they can linger on in an area and possess an area like a house so oftentimes the types of exorcisms that he does are, are the kind that where he just goes to a house and goes room to room casting out the demon and I found so, and I found out that pretty interesting too. And it's, have you ever heard the Old Testament uh, Bible story about the the kings of Israel? Uh, I'm not I'm not sure. There's uh, like three kings of Israel. Uh, um, let me check here a second. Which ones? <laughs> okay, so it's Saul, David, and then Samuel. Mm-hmm. Do any of those names? Dan- David and then Samuel. Okay, yeah. Do any of those sound familiar? Like King David, King Samuel? Yeah, I think David sounds familiar. Yeah, there's a famous statue of him. He's the the David and Goliath character. Right. There's like a a famous statue of David, um, and he's cut off the head of Goliath, and he's standing there with a sword in one hand and a head in the other. (laughs) I don't believe I've seen that statue, but I know the story. It's a very statue. Oh, well. Anyway, so... um, the story goes um, that King Saul, the first guy, I think it's the first guy, um, is going to go to war. And mm. this is like at the very end of his reign, which is obvious because he, he actually dies in the in the battle. Oh, okay. Um, but before he goes to war, he wants to commune with the dead and talk to a fella um, from his past. Interesting. And I forget why. Uh, so he goes to a medium to do the summoning for him like an and oracle this, yeah and they summon the spirit of the um the dead and when the 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 oracle sees the spirit that they've summoned i guess she summoned mm-hmm. she gets really frightened of the um the thing that's summoned and then um the reason i know this story is because it popped up uh this person was exp- it was like a clickbait title <laughs> where somebody's like sure um how how is it that um demons can summon people from heaven or something like that because in the story what? this guy's died and gone to heaven so how okay. on earth is it in the bible that this guy who shows up in the story comes from heaven and so the, the so, title was something like the lines of can you be dragged from heaven by a demon or something like that what <laughs> okay anyway so i clicked on that and he's explain this guy's explaining it and he's like no you can't be dragged from heaven even though that's what ha- seems to be happening in the story what's actually happening in the story is there's this demon that's appeared to pretend to be the person in that oh, from the past right so yeah and makes then sense. He, he's using something like the the, the oracle getting uh, frightened by the appearance, the apparition. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that um, if it was actually that fellow, she wouldn't have been frightened or something like that. And that you can tell that she actually didn't have any magical power because she was just, you know, a person with a crystal ball pretending to be magical. I don't know. Hmm. He, he was putting this um, theory out. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's actually what the Bible said, I don't know. But I think that's kind of similar to what uh, Mr. Martin here is saying, right? That ghosts and all of that are not actually people. They're demons pretending to be people, kind of like right. uh, this other guy was saying was happening in the Bible. Well, he doesn't limit it 
he doesn't limit it just to ghosts. He says um, when people talk about UFOs or aliens, it's it's really demons. Oh, so Bigfoot's a demon, huh? <laughs> well, I don't know. Would you get scared of a giant hairy creature that's right behind you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the fright level would be just about the same as, a, as if you were encountering a demon. Yeah, I, I think it'd be just a little bit less than like if a... Uh, a Catholic priest appeared behind me with a big Bible and slapped it on my head. You know, it'd be. I think Bigfoot just ran right. away. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get out of here. They're on to me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. There haven't been any uh, any sirens today. Well, the podcast is not over yet. <laughs> are the sirens are the sirens demonic? You think? Totally are. No, nah, I don't know. Away today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do find that. Interesting, but it it makes sense because when, like, whether it's an amateur or a pro uh, ghost investigator talks about his findings at, like, a paranormal house or something, and, like, sometimes they'll talk about these things can attach to you and, like, mess up your life and stuff. Like, it makes sense. That's what demons do. Yeah, and that's one of the things that they'll they'll always ask you when they do a, um, they're doing that whole pre- um, exorcism interview they're like okay uh okay so we've determined that it's not like a hormonal uh, her uh, hormonal imbalance it's not um a family trauma it's not addictions it's not this so okay we've narrowed it down to possibly being demonic excuse me sir have you come in contact with anything which might cause demons and they're like, oh, well, yes, I was doing goats, uh, ghost sightseeing. <laughs> doing goats? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, here's the funny thing. That might cause demons, too. <laughs> now that I'm thinking, demons, uh, goats have demon eyes. Did you know that? They have what? They have demon eyes? Yes. Goats have demon eyes. Well, is that because it's always associated with, like, Beelzebub and something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, have you ever sure. have you ever seen a goat eye? I've never even seen a goat in person. Just Google goat eyes. You'll get a okay. bunch of pictures. Of By the way, goat. I'm still uh, kind of in fear and shock when you told me about what real angels look like. <laughs> like every time I think about it, it sends chills down my spine. <laughs> goat eyes. Yeah, that's pretty demonic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have uh, rectangular pupils. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, if you're doing a goat, that that just might get you a demon. Um, I hope uh, people who listen to the podcast, I hope you don't go and do goats. That's well, of course not. We don't want people to get demons. <laughs> uh, that's just, I mean, but that's just wrong on so many levels. Yeah, you get a demon, man. <laughs> don't do it. Isn't that the isn't that one of the origin stories for the Jersey Devil? Um, like demons and goats? Like, well, like the, the the Jersey Devil, like was half goat and half like human, and became this demonic thing. I mean, perhaps. I mean, maybe it's just along the same lines as a satyr. You know? Yeah, maybe. Who even looks up satyrs nowadays besides Conrad? Okay. So I have something called the three days of darkness, which uh, Father Malachi Martin 
said now this has nothing to do with exorcisms this was just something that he mentioned and he kind of just casually mentioned it like is that oh yes of course there's gonna be three days of darkness because he's irish right uh-huh. but he just kind of be like there'd be three days without sun and you won't be able to get out of your house and all these other things and he didn't really say in in, in detail what three days of darkness was so i just had to do some searches and uh, found out the details on my own and it's i, th- I think i know why he never mentioned it because it's just kind of terrifying <laughs> <laughs> But the three days of darkness. So Father Malachi Martin says that there will be three days of literal darkness. The sun will be blocked out. and It will not be safe for you to be outside your house. That's kind of all he said. And then I did my own research. So the three days of darkness is uh, it's, it's a Catholicism belief. You won't find this in any other religious belief because it was a prophecy given to a woman named the Blessed Anna Maria Tagi, and she received this prophecy, and she is known for her previous prophecies in the Catholic faith. I keep keep stuttering when I think about Catholicism because it's not a natural word I say, but anyways, this is her prophecy, right? There shall come over the whole earth an intense darkness lasting three days and three nights. Nothing shall be seen. The air will be laden with pestilence, which will calmly, which will claim mainly, but not only, the enemies of religion. Hmm. It will be impossible to use any man-made lighting during this darkness for the exception of blessed candles Hmm. he who out of curiosity opens his door or window to look out or leaves his home will fall dead on the spot during three days of darkness people should remain in their homes pray let me see pray the rosary and beg god for mercy all the enemies of the church whether known or unknown will perish over the whole earth during the universal darkness. With the exception of a few who God will soon convert, the air shall be infected by demons who will appear under all sorts of hideous forms. That is her prophecy. So that's some sort of like uh, post-tribulation thing? Well, I did some more digging. (laughs) And and I actually found uh, the Bible scriptures that talk about three days of darkness, so here is Matthew twelve twenty nine through 40. A wicked and uh, dangerous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet of Jonah. For the Jonah was, or as Jonah was, three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So that was Matthew. And then um, here's Revelation. So this is the apocalypse of John, right? This is end times. This is supposed to be the end times timeline. So this is Revelation 6.12. It says, I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was the great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. And then Revelation 16.10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. His subjects grinded their teeth in anguish. 
So the Bible talked about uh, like the three days that like, you know, as Jonah was in the belly of the, of the big yeah. fish for three yeah, days and three nights, three days, so will the son of man. And, yeah. So the, the, the three days and all of that uh, is kind of like a repeating theme throughout the Bible. It is. Because isn't that like the same thing as like the three days and three nights of Jesus in the uh, in the tomb? Yeah, he, he, he rose on the third day, I believe, right? Yeah. So there is also... I can't let me see. There's also a Bible verse that actually explains to people that it, one day is a different amount of time to God than it is to us. One day to God is a thousand years. So when God says three days, it's actually um, like 3,000 years because every day is a, a thousand years. And so I'm thinking, well, if this is end times, right? And it is prophesied that when, you know, the devil takes over the world, he's going to rule for a certain amount of time before Jesus comes, right? Right. And no one has a, a specific time that he's going to rule. No one can say because it's pretty vague. It's just that he's going to rule for a certain amount of time. Well, if they're saying that we're going to be plunged into darkness in his kingdom, I think it was Revelation 6.10, where it said the angel poured out his bowl into the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was thrown into darkness, right? Satan's kingdom, which means the earth. If they're talking about three days of darkness, when he rules, it's going to be more like 3,000 years <laughs> that, okay. of darkness, right? But there's going to be people that Jesus or God converts for him. That he's going to save. And so this whole three days of darkness has a different meaning now, right? It's not just three days. It could be three days, but if we're talking in biblical terms and we're talking about prophecy, I think it's going to be much longer than three days. Interesting. So that is one of the prophecies that uh, I found out through him. And by the way, he died in 1998. So all the interviews that he gave were like mid-1990s, so like 95, 96 around that time and he actually knew the 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 i believe it was the three secrets of famina famina fatima fatima there we go fatima that he was uh, not allowed to discuss but he knew it and he said he was so sad for what mankind was gonna have to go through soon so yikes <laughs> yeah uh, when you do all this research really late at night by yourself in the dark yeah it's not a fun time let me tell you I'm looking up something real quick. Da, da, da. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so I, I, uh, I'm looking up how long a nuclear winter would last. <laughs> <laughs> well, I found I found the uh, the Bible verse for the uh, thousand years is one day and all that. It's Second Peter three eight, and uh, yeah, it just says. So the verse goes. Uh, Nevertheless, do not let this one escape your notice or with the lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day so yes if we're if, if there is a prophecy about god or, or a prophecy of you know the end times and we're speaking biblical terms and yeah i think one day is a lot longer than people are just thinking oh we're just gonna so, have to go through it one for for three days we can so do there's it this fella who who um is praying to god and he says god I hear that one day is like three, uh, that is like, uh, one day, uh, three days is like, uh, 3000 years and 3000 years is like three days. Mm -hmm. And I hear that, uh, one, uh, 
three gold is like uh, no a small fortune in on uh is uh, no a large fortune is but a small penny to you and uh, a few other things and goes on for a bit and he's like i just have a small question can i can i have one penny <laughs> and then god speaks down to him and says sure just a second yeah, yeah you get it like one one second like how long how long is a second <laughs> oh uh, yeah so it took like an hour or something no 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 no, no. because if like if if uh, maybe I messed a joke up. No, I get what you're saying. Like, uh, one day is like one millennium, and th- no, three days is like three thousand years, and one day is like one uh, is is like ten thousand years. Like, so the, the the precedent I was supposed to set in the joke before is that the smaller something is, the greater something is. Mm-hmm. So I've really messed this joke up. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is, he says, you know this. This, a small fortune, uh, a large fortune is just a small fortune to you. And then uh, a, a widow's might is um, a gigantic amount of money or that sort of a thing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, and that one second would, the, but you don't say like how long one second is, but you get the precedent that the smaller something is to us, the bigger it is. It's going to be God. more than a second. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is like one hour is um, longer than three days and that mm-hmm. sort of a thing three days is a thousand years an hour is longer than three days and then the idea is like how long is a second <laughs> right anyway i have really made that joke oh <laughs> uh, that's funny but it it also made me think like hmm if if a day is a thousand years to god right and we go back to genesis and he made the whole world the whole universe six days and rested on the seventh that mean he actually mm-hmm. made it and 6,000 years and rested the following year. Yeah. He's like, I'm cool. I've, I've worked nonstop for 6,000 years. Cow. Or maybe, maybe it's different. Maybe, maybe it's, um, you know, seven, uh, seven days is more than uh, 7,000 years. Maybe it's more like 7 million years. Maybe. Or do you think because he knows that time is different for him compared to us? So when he says it only took six days, for us, it, Literally means six days. Hmm. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's things to think about, though. So you know, the they the, when dinosaurs would extinct, it was because uh, there was an a, a um, asteroid that hit the the Earth and caused right. um, stuff to rise into the atmosphere and mm-hmm. blot out the sun. Right. But that was like high into the atmosphere. What if there was something like impacts the Earth? That causes things not to fly high into the atmosphere, but a low in the atmosphere. But so much of it that um, uh, there, there's a, this huge amount of there's it's like more concentrated amount of things being thrown into the air, but it doesn't go as high. Um, so that way, it lasts only three days. But then after that, it settles. What would three days of darkness do? Would it actually do a whole lot? I don't know. Or what? What if that means like the sun gets like annihilated and the sun doesn't exist for three days and then like it gets rematerialized on the third day or something takes its or maybe, place? Or maybe the sun gets like, or maybe that's like God changing the batteries on the sun. It's like, okay, this sun's gotten a little dead. Just unplug it, turn it off, get a new battery, stick it back in, close the cover, turn it back on. It's been three days. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I do not know. What would three days without gravity causing the sun and all that to move around? Like, what would that do to the Earth? 
You, you think we wouldn't have gravity? Well, no, 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 no. Like, we'd still have gravity from the Earth, but the Earth is in orbit of the sun, and the Earth is in orbit of the sun because of the sun's gravity. So if the sun gets dematerialized for three days, then mm-hmm. Earth <clears throat> itself is no longer in the sun's gravity. Then what happens? I don't know. And then how does it interact with all the other planets in the absence of the sun? Do we all start orbiting Jupiter? Maybe that's why the prophet told us to not leave our houses. <laughs> like, look, Don't some weird, some weird things are going to happen outside. Just, uh, just, just be groovy. Stay inside. Read a book. <laughs> <laughs> oh snap! Oh snap! What did you think of? Come on, the vote. Okay, this is this is a a pretty whack. Okay. This one, this one, I don't think that very many people are going to get unless you're an anime fan. Okay? <laughs> Go for it. What if the three days is three million years and a little bit depends on whatever Senku counted and three days without sunlight is three days petrified by stone. <laughs> <laughs> and if you go outside of your stone, outside of your home before it's over, you're dead. Turn to stone. Hey, if you're turned to like you're turned to stone, right? And you're plunged into darkness, right? And what is Medusa just outside at everyone's house? You're turned to stone. And, and then, uh, and then if the uh, the stone breaks and you go outside of your shell, then you die before like the the right time. You have to be like released with like the nitric acid, and all that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, just just a thought. No. <laughs> Come up with the weirdest things, Conrad. I do. I do. <laughs> this is why we never consult before we do a podcast. Because like, when I get inspired by something else, my, my ideas get weirder and weirder. Yes, people. You get our raw uh, reactions to to everything. The only planning we do is, is the research. <laughs> and not even that so well. <laughs> sometimes we do it really well but uh you yeah, know what? So- I, I i like i like the way we do it because you know i don't i don't like a completely serious podcast where it's just endless amounts of research and there's and no personality to it yeah. yeah i mean there's no personality to it so i like how we do ours <laughs> otherwise would we have ever thought of bigfoot waiting in a little small canal for db cooper to jump out of that plane no we wouldn't mm-hmm. have it's like, oh man, he's an hour what late. If, Should I just leave? What if D.B. Cooper was an a- uh, not an alien? What if D.B. Cooper was a demon? Nah, come on. Stretching <laughs> it there. Yeah, I guess not. I mean, why? Maybe he was demon-possessed, but why would they want money? What does a demon do with money? Open up a strip joint? I don't know. You tell me a better way to get lost souls. I, I <laughs> guess I can't think of a better way. Well, I think go I think that's Vegas. a good... go to it. Yeah, all of Vegas is owned by a demon. You know, that sounds like a fictional story I've run across before. The gambling cities of a world are run by demon entities. It could have been. It could be. Uh, think. What if, like, remember I told you, Father Malachi Martin says yeah. there's something called perfectly possessed. What if these perfectly possessed people are all in Las Vegas, run, running running people? What if they're the head of the mob and the head of our U.S. government? <laughs> hey, you never know, right? You never know. You got to ask these questions. Jeffrey Epstein sell his soul for 
Oh, that guy. What was he? What was he accused of? Tra- human uh, trafficking. Of, yes, and then and then he um, supposedly offed himself in his jail cell. I don't believe no. that he offed himself in a jail cell. Yeah, nobody does. Of course, somebody does. Who do you think? Why, why do you think this story is still relevant? It's because the liberals believe it. <laughs> I don't even think they believe it. I believe everything Hillary Clinton tells me is true. <laughs> Come on, California. You can do better than that. Come on. <laughs> Look, I don't hate Californians, you know. I used to go to California uh, once a I year. I am a Texan born and raised, so... Yeah, so I, am I. I have to put in this disclaimer. I do, um, by the nature of my birth, hate Californians. <laughs> okay, well, you're, you're most Texans. Me? I, 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 pers- I, I like California. I've been there quite a few times with family. I've visited. I've been to conferences there for things that I will never say on the podcast. <laughs> but I like California. It's, it's a really nice place. They have very lovely beaches, and they have very... Amazing food. Ah, the thing that ruins it. There for a an audition, an acting audition. No. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? When I was twelve, what was I auditioning for? Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> oh, that explains a lot, Eric. Shut up, Connor. Ruined it. But no, I I like California. The only thing that ruined it was uh, the the liberals. The demons. Not everybody there is a liberal, believe it or not, but like 98% of everyone there is a liberal. Well, unfortunately, I do believe that we have run out of things to say. (laughs) Have we? Uh, We've run out of logical things to say. What's the difference? Um, um, yes, but I, I do believe you're, you're right. <coughs> Demonic animals. Demon animals. Yes, I, I do believe the video you sent me earlier was hilarious. Well, that one I've, I uh, was, was brought to my consciousness in memory by a, uh, a fellow who said his cat was possessed. And had pictures of a demon-possessed cat. And I was like, huh, that reminds me of Mr. Bubs. Hey, that reminds me of every cat ever. <laughs> um, but in the Bible, it talks of demon-possessed pigs drowning themselves. Believe it or not, Father Malachi Martin uh, did mention demon-possessed pigs. But he said um, usually when that happens is uh, when an exorcist goes completely right for um, the, the person being possessed and the exorcist, the priest. Uh-huh. When... When the demon is defeated, it doesn't want to go back to hell. Because guess what? When the demon goes back to hell after being defeated by a priest, the demon is then proceed to to be tortured for its failures. So instead of going back to hell, it finds an animal to attach itself to to prolong the the uh, torture. So what would you do if one of your pets was possessed, Eric? Would you would you try to get ban- um, exor- exorcised? <laughs> Uh, uh, or or would you um, just keep a? Would I know the difference? <laughs> my 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 three dogs that I have are pretty wild as it is. But I wonder how many? I, I think I think animals. I think pets are are okay. I don't think that they 
could be possessed. I could be wrong, but I think beloved pets, household pets, etc., uh-huh. would be would be okay from being possessed because normally they're they're the ones that catch what's being in the room, like your your animal senses that there's something wrong. And, it, uh, and it's usually them that that give you like a heads up, like, "Hey, there's something here. I don't know. Yeah. I, there's a scent. Something's wrong. Bark, bark, bark. Right? Yeah, yeah. They do seem to be. I think in so, one of the ghost stories that we've read that the right, especially cats, all that. especially cats are fully aware of what's going around spiritually. So I think that they would be okay. I think. I think they. I think demons attach themselves to pigs because they're not very smart. <laughs> I don't know. But that raises an interesting question, though. If there's a bunch of demons attaching themselves to pigs, and and as a regular... Um, so what happens if you eat a demon-possessed pig? That's, that's just what I was going to get to. What if you eat this delicious crispy bacon, but then you just have, like... <laughs> you have, you're, you're fighting with yourself, and there's just something wrong, and... I don't know. Has that ever happened? Has anyone ever eaten a pork so. chop and just suddenly become possessed? I, I don't think that's... I've, I've not read anything about that. I've never heard a... Where have you done witchcraft? Have you been reading Harry Potter? Have you done this? Have you done? Uh, have you bought healing potions? Have you practiced um, uh, love potions and that sort of thing? Uh, mm. Have you eaten bacon? <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Not on the list. Do you, you know? consume pork products? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That'd be, I guess, interesting, but I don't, I don't think I, I was we could say, ever find well, out. I was going to say, if that was the case, you would have to uh, eat uh, food blessed by like a priest or something in order to make sure that it wasn't... Um, we need to do a study. We need to get some volunteers and tell them that, hey, all you can eat pork products. <laughs> The catch is we, we're just gonna monitor you for like a couple of hours. Catch a demon. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, like I yeah, I, like I said, it would be hard to tell. So I was going to say, um, you have um so if you want to eat pigs, you have to make sure that it was prayed over. And I was like, oh wait, there are a group that pray over food before it's consumed and it has to be that way to prepare that one. Like, yeah, it is. It's kosher food. So you just have to eat kosher pork. You're like, wait a minute, hold up. Kosher pork. Yeah, because kosher food has to be um blessed by a rabbi. So I see. If you if you bless food, um So if you bless the food before maybe, you eat it, then you probably ex- spell that's whatever why you, you say prayers before you eat <laughs> so so when you're eating with your family next time they say uh somebody say grace you you raise your hand and be like and please the, the banish the, uh, the demon from this pork <laughs> or something like that oh <laughs> uh, this is why yeah. you love listening to bizarre conspiracies where else are you gonna hear this kind of banter I don't know, but that's that's uh, maybe a good reason to pray over stuff before you eat it. But uh, Dear the idea Jesus. of having kosher pork is um, kind of uh, self-exclusive, um, you mm-hmm. know, because pork is by inherently not kosher. So uh, <laughs> I was going to say that that's not going to work. I mean, it could work if you only eat kosher pork, then you don't have to worry about getting demons from eating pork. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I think now we've run out of things to say. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> if you made it this far, thank you for listening to Bizarre Conspiracies. 
We really appreciate it. If you want to email You're now us, an honorary old person. Yeah. <laughs> that will that will come in full circle when you hear the next podcast episode. Anyways, uh, if you want to email us, you can do so at bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. That's one word, bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. If you want to uh, give us a rating, that would greatly help out uh, the podcast being relevant on platforms such as iTunes and Spotify and TuneIn. So if you can give us a rating, that'd be great. And uh, any last thoughts on today's topic, Conrad? So I googled kosher pork, and apparently uh, if pork is lab-grown, it might be considered kosher. Really? So I guess that's one way. If you have lab-grown food, then you can't. Then it's not technically alive. Cannot become demon-possessed. Maybe that. That I think would be like the best advertising I've heard of lab-grown meat so far. What? Cannot be. <laughs> <laughs> what if? What if you just take normal uh, pork meat and you uh, you rub some kosher salt on it? Would that work? I do not believe so. No? Um, what if you baptize the pork meat? <laughs> and what, a brine? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, that's been blessed by uh, um, a, a bishop. I, I don't think so. I, I'm pretty <laughs> okay. sure you can't get demons from eating dead meat. I, I'm guessing that once you kill something, the demon no longer is in it. I mean, that's one way of casting out I a suppose. Demon. Cast out a demon with lead! <laughs> Then I cooked it in a 400-degree oven. <laughs> make sure it reaches the internal temperature of 200 <laughs> degrees to make sure all the demons have been... <laughs> uh, again, I say, this is why you love listening to Bizarre Conspiracies. Where else are you going to listen to this? Ah. Alrighty. Anyways. Yeah, I, I am out. I have successfully yeah. expended all of my demonic law- knowledge. That, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.